Hello, welcome to Medical Motherhood for August 21st, 2022. I'm Shasta Kearns Moore. Medical Motherhood is a weekly Substack newsletter and podcast on the experience of raising disabled children. Please consider a paid subscription. You can do that by going to medicalmotherhood.com slash subscribe. Back to school is usually an exciting time of year. This year, it is hard to ignore the headlines. Teachers leaving in droves. Districts slashing instruction days. Special education students relegated to the virtual basement. There seems to be an increasingly vocal assessment that public school is struggling to fulfill its basic promises. Michael B. Horn, author of the book From Reopen to Reinvent, Recreating School for Every Child, says that the pandemic experience has caused a lot of families to question their assumptions about school. There's obviously a whole conversation about what parents are trying to prioritize and how they've been so acclimated to seeing school as a status game or judgment on their parenting, Horn told the Hetchinger Report recently. He likened modern schooling to a zero-sum game. Instead, he recommends a positive-sum system, one where everyone wins. A positive-sum system tries to say, we can be part of this societal shift toward a healthier culture that isn't judging parents or their kids, but is instead supporting both. Many parents of disabled children have already had this experience with public school. Due to their child's differences, they long ago realized the folly of the school status rat race. Their children's accomplishments matter because they do, not because they are measured against a statistical norm. These days, more and more American children are qualifying for special education services, which means more and more parents are probably learning this lesson. In 2019, the most recent year data were available, 6.47 million American students ages 6 to 21 qualified for special education. That is 9.7% of the total population of children, an increase from the previous year of 0.2 percentage points. The younger the student, the more likely they are to qualify for the individualized help. A little more than one in eight American children in elementary school, or 12.7%, are now being served by our nation's special education law, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. It remains my fervent hope that the pandemic will serve as a chance to reinvent public school. I wrote last spring in an article published in Willamette Week in Portland, Oregon, about when I finally gave up on the traditional brick-and-mortar system in favor of an online public charter, and it's been a great option for my kids. I'm not saying this type of schooling would work perfectly for everyone, but thinking outside the box can be very helpful to some learners. This seems to also be the sort of flexible thinking that experts like Horn are advising. He says, you have to get out of this one-size-fits-all mindset that all kids do better in brick-and-mortar learning, that all kids do better with the exact same classroom experience, or all kids need the exact same lesson on the exact same day. 
to a system that really recognizes students and parents have different circumstances, different situations, and they need different models of schooling. School districts really need to meet parents where they are with more of a portfolio mindset as opposed to a one-size-fits-all mindset. There's a reason the governing document for special education services is called an individualized education program. Your child's uniqueness is supposed to guide the process. The IEP can be long, complicated, and overly obsessed with a child's deficits, however. So some families have found a short one-pager about their student can help introduce new school staff to their personality, preferences, and needs in a human-centered way. Regardless of whether you are preparing little backpacks for a trip on a school bus or charging up those Chromebooks for another year of online learning, a one-pager can be a helpful start to the school year. Don't have time? Don't worry, I may do one. Just go to this episode on medicalmotherhood.com and click on the link to make a copy of a Google Doc that you can customize in about 15 minutes. If you have an iPhone, you may need to download the Google Docs app to edit it or click on it from a desktop computer. Option two, if you're old school or just don't have the right tech, you can choose the blank PDF to simply print it out and fill it out with a pen. This one-pager about your child can be a useful way to begin the school year. Send it digitally or print it out and bring it to IEP meetings or that first day of school. With a course set for person-centered communication, navigation should be smoother the whole year long. Time now for Medical Motherhood's News Roundup, snippets of news and opinion from outlets around the world. From the Associated Press via Oregon Live, Wrongful death damages okay, court says, when woman gave birth to a disabled girl after clinic messed up contraceptive shot. The Washington Supreme Court says that under state law, it's okay for judges to award extraordinary damages in so-called wrongful life cases where a child has birth defects or disabilities that require extensive care. The unanimous decision last Thursday came in the case of a woman who became pregnant in 2011 after a federally funded health clinic mistakenly gave her a shot of flu vaccine instead of the contraceptive Depo-Provera. Her child was born with a condition that causes cognitive delays, slowed speech and language skills, epilepsy, and vision problems. Following a trial in 2020, U.S. District Judge Robert Lasnik awarded the child, Sandra, and her parents, Yesenia Pacheco and Luis Lemus, $10 million. $7.5 million for her medical, educational, and other expenses, and $2.5 million in damages for her parents. The federal government was ordered to pay the damages because the neighbor care clinic is federally funded and serves low-income patients. From the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network, all kids deserve inclusive classrooms. In an interview with MSNBC, a representative for the group Moms for Liberty appeared to imply that LGBTQ plus children should be educated in separate classrooms from other children. 
The representative stated that, quote, children with autism, Down syndrome, they have to be put in separate classrooms. And that similarly, quote, for children that identify differently, there should also be a specialized something. These disturbing comments are an attack on LGBTQ plus students, and they also inaccurately portray segregated classrooms as necessary for disabled students. All children deserve access to education alongside their peers in safe and inclusive classrooms. ASAN stands against Moms for Liberty's offensive comment and the hatred and exclusion that gave rise to it. This remark demonstrates something many disabled advocates have long known, that groups opposed to LGBTQ plus students being safe and welcome in K-12 education also support the exclusion of disabled students. Some disabled students are LGBTQ+, and even those who are straight and cisgender are harmed by the kind of rigid intolerance espoused by groups like Moms for Liberty. Such organizations are fundamentally hostile to inclusion, belonging, and thriving of disabled people, including children in schools. ASAN opposes any efforts to place children in segregated classrooms or schools on the basis of identity, or deprive any child of the full benefits of inclusive K-12 education. ASAN will continue to advocate unrelentingly for inclusive education for all students. From Disability Support Guide in Australia, Disney responds to disability advocate on creating a princess with disability. Hannah Devaney, who lives with cerebral palsy, has campaigned for a Disney princess with a disability to be created for the past few years, after missing out on seeing anyone like herself in entertainment media while she was growing up. While the film company didn't respond to Hannah directly, they did provide a statement to the Australian Women's Weekly magazine after they recognized Hannah's efforts to convince pop singers Lizzo and Beyonce to change ableist lyrics in their songs. We love Hannah's passion and hear her important voice on why inclusive and representative storytelling matters, a Disney spokesperson told Australian Women's Weekly. As storytellers at Disney, we're committed to reflecting the incredibly rich diversity of the human experience and in ways that inspire, open minds and hearts, and bring people closer together in a world where we all belong. Ms. Devinney created a petition about the idea, Create a Disney Princess with Disabilities, which received encouragement from the community. Over 60,000 signatures have since been accumulated on the petition, with many people reaching out to Ms. Devinney to tell her about the difference that seeing themselves or their loved ones reflected in a Disney film would make. Medical Motherhood is a weekly newsletter giving those raising disabled children the news and information they need to navigate complex systems. Get it delivered to your inbox each Sunday morning or give a gift subscription. Subscriptions are free with optional tiers of support. Thank you to our paid subscribers. Follow Medical Motherhood on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Instagram, or visit the Medical Motherhood merchandise store to get a t-shirt or mug proclaiming your status as a medical mama or medical papa. Do you have a question about raising disabled kids that no one seems to be able to answer? Ask me, and it may become a future issue. Thank you for listening. Our music was composed by Ahimitsu and used under a Creative Commons license.
Mama Radio. Oh, Mama all day.